0: All right, this is Adam, um, you know, with the Chance of Gaming podcast, the person you follow in this RSS feed, and uh, I'm going to, I am interviewing Alex G.S.P. Murphy from Pri- uh, Primeval Clash that we talked about on the last show. Welcome, Alex.
1: Uh, thank you, thank you. Glad to be here.
0: I This caught my eye, I think, like uh, two episodes ago, and I was like, you know, I, I've talked on the uh, podcast a couple times. Like, I'm kind of burned out on small scale skirmish games. You know, because it seems like everybody's doing them. There's a lot of them coming out on Kickstarter. But this one etched um, it its way through uh, to my my hard heart. My heart grew three sizes that day <laughs> that I saw it. I was like, "Holy shit! This is dinosaurs!" And it's like fighting it. And as I started looking more into it, I got more interested because it's like oh wait they're using like this mismatch of like historical um, cultures and they're kind mm-hmm. of pulling like really cool ones so you can have like you've got like some aztecs uh ancient yep, yep. egyptian ancient egyptians you've got the norse and my personal favorite colonial british so i was like damn <laughs> fucking sold man this looks cool so we'd been following along with it and uh we talked i think uh on the last show we recorded it like Thursday night before your Kickstarter Mm -hmm. launched on Friday. And I will say one thing we got incorrect was we were go, we were going through and talking about the different things and we got Mm -hmm. to the Norse and, and, I, my co-host was like, is that a sloth? And I was like, nah, sloths aren't cool. That, <laughs> that can't be a sloth. That's got to be a polar bear, you know, like in the Golden Compass. That's what it is, mm-hmm. it's an armored polar bear. No, that is a sloth.
1: <laughs> it really is a giant sloth. That it thing is, is freaking massive. So um, We actually do have a cave bear coming up in, uh, in one of the next ones. The, uh, the art is already, well, uh, some of the 2D art is already ready, the concept art. Um, but, yeah, that thing is also massive. Um, I mean, all, all, all the megafauna that we have for the Norse faction, uh, the Kingdoms of Farheim is what they're called here. Um, yeah, yeah, they're phenomenal stuff.
0: Now, what is the company called that's making this game?
1: Uh, the company is a friend of mine's. It's called Nerd Palace Games, okay. um, which, which is what he originally called his house. And then over time, whenever he was like, you know, I can actually make this work. And so... That's just what he called his business, was the Nerd Palace Games. And this is Cody, right? Yeah, yeah, Cody is the one who did that. I uh, I watched his interview
0: um, on uh, Beast of War, and I'll link this in the, the show notes to this interview so you guys can see it. Uh, I was fascinated. I guess since he, they got him up at 5 o'clock in the morning, he was wearing his dinosaur PJs. So, <laughs> yep. So that, that, that was good. Now, he mentioned... You got him into miniature gaming because you had a store, and he, mm-hmm. he a young impressionable, impressionable <laughs> Cody, walked in. I was like, oh my gosh, Mister, what is all this? And that's that's yep. where it all began. How did that happen?
1: Um. So yeah, so I used to own a store from uh, 2003 to 2008 in downtown Asheville, North Carolina. Wonderful place. Um, yes, and it is. And he just has to be walking by. I, I personally love it um so yeah uh, it was a comic book in gaming store and you know he's looking at the stuff on the outside and he's like all right you know cool i like comic book stuff i like superheroes and he walked in and he was talking about you know like, oh, i like superheroes and so i'm like oh uh have you seen this new game called hero clicks and he's like no idea what you're talking about And i'm like well here have a little hulk miniature and you know it was a common so you know they were like you know, 25 cents at best and i was just like eh, whatever give them away and so he got this little you know, a little figure, you know, 20, you know, 30 millimeters tall painted Hulk with a little dial. And on it, as you like, you know, click it up or down, it'll actually tell you like what its stats are and what special abilities are. And he was like, this is really cool. And then came back next week and, you know, got a couple of packs and bought some more guys and played. And then over the next couple of years, you know, became a you know pretty constant customer. And then after I closed, you know, we, we still we still stayed in contact. Um, amusing enough, his wife is actually a photographer for fashion shows. And I stage manage for, for fashion shows.
0: I thought you were going to say you were a model. <laughs> um, uh, oddly enough, I've been on the
1: runway a lot of times, but never for the public. It's always to teach the models how to walk, which is <laughs> kind of a weird thing. Like, how did I end up doing this? This is so weird.
0: Well, they uh, have to learn somewhere, you know.
1: It, it's true, but I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I'm up there ever. But um, but anyway, so yeah, so he like, stayed in touch. And then a couple of years ago, he was like, I guess about a little over a year and a half ago, Um he was doing a um he was doing an event and he was just like, Hey, I've got an idea for this game. I I need someone to write some of the fiction for it. Can you do that? And I'm like, Yeah, sure, sure, I can do that. And I started messing around with it. And actually I came up with a different game system than what he was originally thinking of. And and we started playing it and just absolutely loved it. It was fantastic and great. Um and so yeah yeah just over time you know it became more and more and then you know you know the more we play it the more we like ooh, but if we change this it gets better and then we add this and this so so that's the basics of how uh how that kind of fell into place
0: now were you talking about just making the system or were you talking about actually working with prime evil prime evil clash or how do you say it? is it prime of all is prime evil? it is prime,
1: prime Aval, right prime evil clash mm-hmm. Yeah, prime, prime, prime evil okay um yeah, it um, that's kind of the evolution of of the game as well. Um, the, the, yeah, the two pretty much went hand in hand. Um, yeah, there's no one's gonna say about that. I totally lost it. That happens a lot. I've got so many different thoughts going on in my mind all the time, and I'm like, ooh, here's four tangents, and I talk about one, and I'm like, and the other three are now.
0: Uh, yeah, I uh, I understand that happens to me all the time. <laughs> Often in the middle of the show, I'll just go yep. off on some other weird tangent and just like, oh, wait, what were we talking about? Let's, let's go back <laughs> to this. So, Speaking yeah. of, in talking about this Kickstarter, uh, I educated my older co-host in Dino Riders. <laughs> yep. And uh, I was glad to see Cody in the Beast of War interview talk about that being a huge influence because my co-host was like, well, what is Dino Riders? I was like, look, man, you don't know have like love you know how kids like love to play with dinosaurs and they love to like play with like GI Joe and soldiers and lasers and shit. I was like, what if we just combine those, you know, although I feel sorry for the dinosaurs. Cause you know, they're just sitting there eating, you know, just the, the little herbivores, just the brontosaurus is just eating a tree or whatever. And they're like, no, we're going to strap some missiles to you. What, <laughs> if I get, what if I get shot? Well, it just happens. There's more, there's more around. <laughs> yep. Oh um, man! At... So this is definitely infinitely more savage than that. This is up close and personal combat.
1: Yep, yep. Um, with with uh, occasionally the exception of the uh, Grand Empire of Lindinia, which is the uh, colonial British faction, um, they're a lot more cultured than that. So their army is exclusively, almost exclusively herbivores, and uh, because they're also the most technologically advanced, they've also got gunpowder, which means they like to stay way far in the back and bombard people with mortars and snipers, et cetera. So, yeah, all the rest of factions are very up close and personal. Uh, but, yeah, but not the British. They, they don't want to get their hands dirty. I understand that. Now,
0: did I see in the sculpt on this, and you can see these on the, the Kickstarter that we'll obviously link in the uh, show notes for this, uh, the guy has a tea kettle?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Yep, yep. Like a good um, British.
1: <laughs> it's, it's very important for, uh, for the... Uh, uh, i forget the name for it i think it's bagman which is like the um assistant to an officer uh in the british army um but yeah it's, it's very important that they you know have the tea kettle ready at all times so that way you know as soon as the battle is over you can then relax and have a cup of tea it's very important the most
0: important part of the job as we jump around to all the different things <laughs> in this uh i guess i should start out with by asking what this is a skir- a small scale skirmish game correct
1: Yes, uh, small in scale of number of figures on the board. Right. Definitely not small in scale of miniatures. They're no, uh, no. They're, they're 28 millimeter guys, and um, the dinosaurs and everything else in it, you know, all the mammals, etc. They're pretty pretty accurate to what the actual scale is. So some of these guys are ridiculously huge. Uh, one of my favorites. Um, we're still doing the concept art. We don't have it yet, but it's going to be one of the stretch goals. Is a brachiosaur, um, which will be so big it'll be like three different molds whenever it's done. And it will literally, like the head is a foot tall from, you know, where, where the bottom of its feet are. It is absolutely ridiculous. It has cannons.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Because, yeah. Well, what size, um, is the battlefield for this?
1: Um, what we're doing right now for like the intro and starter mid size games are three feet by three feet. Okay. Um, we, we originally tried to do a little bit wider than that, but whenever we're doing a lot of what we're playtesting with is basically starter box against starter box, which is normally three units. Um, and so, in that situation, if you have like four feet wide, you can really get spread out, and then it becomes almost like a one on one. And that really, you know, you know and that, that's not where a lot of skirmish games really focus, you know, it's not where they really excel, is on a one on one battle. Um, so, yeah, so, so wanting to keep the combat. Close enough that, you know, your your early powers can be used pretty early on. Um, I personally like a lot of maneuver in games, but whenever they start, you know, four turns away before they actually get close to each other, sometimes it's kind of like a negative play experience where you're like, you know, maneuvering around, but not actually doing anything yet. Yeah, and I, uh, I
0: think of that yeah. as more small scale stuff, like 15 or 6 millimeter, mm-hmm. you know,
1: something like yeah. that. Yep, yep. Yeah, I've played so many different games and so many different genres and so many different systems. So yeah, I'm definitely familiar with that. Now,
0: Cody mentioned in his interview that there is a magic system and cl- up to and including dinosaurs shooting lasers from their eyes.
1: I wouldn't say their eyes. It, it, it's, it's more for their mouth. <laughs> um, the, yeah. So system wise, there are a lot of special abilities that different units have. Sometimes they come from uh, either the writer or the leader um, in, you know, say like uh, the Akotep, which is the Egyptian, you know, sun priest, you know, sitting up there. You know, he has the ability to like blind people and some other different spells. Um, And some of them, like uh, the flame fin, also for the Akotep, um, they actually, uh, you know, they've got the fins and they actually absorb solar energy. And they being magical creatures that have an uh, ingested quintessence over the years, um, actually, can focus that solar energy and expel it. In my fiction, since I'm the one that wrote it, it's through the mouth, not through the eyes. That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> of course, scientifically, it makes yes, more scientific. sense for it to come from the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's how magic works in my brain, right there. Uh, talk to me about the uh, the different factions. Like, uh, how many are there at this point, and uh, what their influence?
1: Okay, um, so the four basic factions that we have right now, and there are five or six more, which are in various states of development. Um, two, two which are pretty well fleshed out, and a couple more after that, which are you know a little, a little bit vaguer. Vaguer is that even a word? Sure. Okay, fantastic. Um, so anyway, so um, right, well, let's start off with the Norse faction, um, the Kingdoms of Farheim. Um, and actually, I just put some of this up on um, the. The Kickstarter pages there were people who were like, Oh, we don't really know enough about the world. Can you tell us more about it? So I actually just wrote some of this up. Um, so the Norse faction, uh, they basically were a, uh, on a large Island and uh, all right, to go back to the world setting just a little bit, all of the different cultures came out of a large Pangea area, except all the tectonic plates separated. So everyone evolved on islands. Um, and so as humanity is kind of beginning to get out and explore, um, the Lindinian faction, the British ended up, um, having a, they ended up having a, um, invasion and you know, they colonized a couple different small areas near them, but they ended up invading this one particular Island. And as their invasion forces there, the entire Island sinks. So they're completely decimated at that point. You know, you know, their entire invasion is gone. And all of a sudden, this massive hurricane storm goes all across the waterways. And it's been that way for about a thousand years. And so because of that, all these islands are, are isolated. They can't really get out, you know, past their, you know, their, their coastline, uh, cause the water is just way too rough. Well, 10 years ago, it stopped. The storm just completely stopped. And so now they're kind of beginning to go out and explore again. Um, so that's the world concept. The Norse in particular, what happened with them, about a month after the storm stopped, they get invaded on the east side by this, all these ships with dead in it. And the dead get up and start marching and just, they just go across the island very slowly, but just literally destroying every single thing in their past. They're in their path. So what happens is um, they, the Norse get in their long ships and get everything that they can and just get out because there's no chance of survival as far as they're concerned. That's you know you know nothing is living against them, and so they end up fleeing and they end up um, settling this small island up in the uh, north uh, in, in the northwest, which is very cold, very frozen. You know dinosaurs can't live there, so they end up um, cultivating all of these, you know, giant sloth, woolly rhinos, uh, saber toothed tigers, um, you know, cave bears, etc. All these things, wooly mammoths—that's that's one of the big ones we're uh, we're building up for. Um, and so they, the kingdoms of Farheim, now are kind of like, well, we don't have enough people, we don't have enough resources, and so they need to trade, but no one's trading with them, and so they're having to raid now. And so they're ba- they're basically fulfilling the Viking way of taking what they need and bringing it back to their to their homeland. Um, so that's kind of the Norse concept. Uh, the Akotep dynasties, the Egyptians—they're the the wise and educated, um, both in magic and in learning. So they're, you know, pretty well rounded. Um, after the storm stopped, they ended up uh, looking around and being like, "All right, well, we should do some research." And so they did, you know, some learning, and um, then they started getting raided by uh, the kings of Farheim, and also by the great empire of Lindinia, who were looking for more resources because they were running out, and. So they started off rather defensive, but now they're like, all right, this is getting ridiculous. We're getting invaded all over the place. And so now they're building up um, in in a very well-rounded kind of way. Um, The empire of Lindinia is uh, expanding out. Like I said, they, they don't actually have uh, enough resources left to survive. So they have to, if they need to, you know, want to keep carrying on um, because they've been using all the science and technology that they have. Uh, So that's used up all their resources. Amusingly enough, uh, they're also one of the only islands that never had quintessence. So they never had the magic to be able to control the dinosaurs. So they've actually had to rely on training. Uh, So a lot of them actually have reins and well-trained animals as opposed to magical control like a lot of the other factions. Interesting. yeah, yeah, they've got some weird science stuff going on as well, but we haven't really seen too much of that yet. That's a little bit a little bit, little bit, further down the line. We want to get we get all the basics done before we get into the, the, the crazy stuff. Um, and then the Aztecs were, again, they were very uh, exclusionist, um, you know, very, you know, private in their own jungles. Uh, they've got a lot of the raptors, uh, allosaur, T-Rex, pterodons. Um but uh, yeah, they, they started getting raided a lot. And they, out, they uh, just recently, the empire uh, the Emperor Child uh, just declared basically retaliatory war. And so now they're, they didn't really have the technology to like, build the ships up. So they're just, oh, you're invading us with your ships? Cool. We're going to kill you and then take your ships and then go back hmm. out. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's the four rough overviews of the four factions.
0: Now, you mentioned an, an undead faction. That sounds pretty cool. Maybe that'll come down the line.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, a, definitely one of the ones that's coming up soon. Um, the modeling for that is a little bit unusual because um, we're basically using the skeletons of models that we've already seen and reworking them a little bit. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, uh, the Cyclops, which is basically a giant woolly mammoth. Except what happened is, you know, because if you actually look at the skull without, like, the giant uh, snout, there's a giant one hole in the middle. Which, right. Which is theorized that's actually where the Greeks kind of came up with this concept of this giant one-eyed monster. Because if you look at a woolly mammoth skull, it looks like a human skull with one giant eye. So anyway, so uh, so this figure is, you know, this huge woolly mammoth standing upright. Um, he's using a triceratops skull as a shield. And uh, he doesn't have his toss anymore. They've fallen out. So he's using one of those as his weapon. So it's this, you know, giant swordsman, basically, that, you know, towers over everything. So...
0: Damn, that sounds cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really stoked about that one. There's so much. And, of course, there's so much you can do, um, you know, kit bashing uh, with the undead faction. You can be like, oh, I'm going to take this leg from over here and put this here. And, you know, you can really make stuff, you know, your own. It's really a great faction for modeling. Cool.
0: Um... What other were the what other influences on this game besides the uh, the aforementioned Dino Riders?
1: I'm assuming worldwide is what you're is what you're kind of focusing on.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's um, just think, you know, just kind of we're like you know we kind of came up with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the way that Cody and I have worked, um, a lot of it has been like, all right, so he he comes up with these faction concepts, and I'm a very historical guy. I, I do a lot of the research and play a lot of historical games. And so I had a lot of that aspect. And whenever he, he, he's a lot more on the dinosaur fan side than I am. Um, so he'll be like, ooh, what about this and this? And if we had that, I'm like, all right, that's cool. We, we can make that work. And sometimes he just actually, like, you know, commissioned me, you know, like, he actually showed me, like, oh, cool, here's a picture of a Titan boa with an Aztec guy on top. And I'm like, oh, I guess I have to write rules for that now. Cool, okay. Yeah. And so, you know, you know, he'll have these, like, interesting ideas for the combinations. And then I get to do all the sorting out both, you know, in the fiction as to how and why it works. And then in the, you know, in the game itself as to how and why it works. Um, So he does a lot of the concept stuff. And every now and then, actually, we have some great artists on this. Um, Alyssa McCarthy is absolutely fantastic. Um, But there have been so many things where it's like, okay, we're going to do this and maybe this. And then, you know, like, you know, after the first or second sketch, and there's like a, you know, what if we did this to it as well? And then, you know, then Cody and I are just sitting there looking at each other like, holy crap, that's that's a lot better than what we came up with. And, you know, just you know, especially whenever you get a group of people who are passionate about a project, you know, one person throws something out, and then, you know, by the time it gets iterated, you know, 10 or 15 times, it's a lot better than what the original idea was. And and that, that's really what we've been doing a lot of.
0: All right. Uh, one thing I did want to ask in, like, just kind of a slight overview with, like, rules and stuff like that, because... I'm mm-hmm. not rule crazy. I always, I always rely on other people. Like, uh, I don't yeah. want to read the rule book. Show me how to play this. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, what kind of dice does it use?
1: Um, it does use d sixes, but okay. not in a traditional way. Um, in a lot of games, you 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 know, you know, like, I'm gonna assume that pretty much every viewer is uh, and, and you are gonna be familiar with Warhammer. So, sure. I'm gonna use that as just a basic, you know, a basic thing. I used to play the Imperial Guard um and so they were in for in 40k and there were so many times i'm like all right i've got you know 10 guys so i'm rolling you know either 10 dice or 20 dice depending on where they are and and my dice are horrible they're absolutely absolutely ridiculous and so i'm like all right cool i just fired 20 shots i got three hits uh no wounds okay Hmm. crap and i'm like i just put out you know 40 laser beams granted they're not that powerful but whatever and had absolutely no effect and that has always always kind of annoyed me and um so this game, I, I took a very different approach, and instead of rolling, if you succeed at something, what you do is you roll to see what you succeed at. Um, so because of that, every unit has a, has a unit card. Um, if you play any board games like Arkham Horror, whenever you've got your like, oh, here's my character, it's about that kind of size. Um, and on it, there's four different sections. Bottom left, it's called the boost section. That's that's where if you roll a one. On the top left is the two and three. That's where uh, your movement is. So if you roll a two or a three, you get to use it as a move action. If you roll a four or five, that's combat. And those are your, your attacks. And then sixes, which are at the bottom right, those are your special abilities. But one thing I really didn't want is like, oh, first turn of the game, my guys are way in the back, I roll my dice. Oh, cool, I got four attacks. Yay, I can't do anything with that. So what you can always do is trade in two dice, Anything for one other die that you want So in that situation you're like oh, I rolled four attack dice, and I'm you know 20 inches away from anything There's nothing I can do pick up two of those dice. They're gone and you add one movement dice So now you have two other dice, which are still sitting on the attack. You can pick both of those up Put one to movement and bam. So worst case scenario is you're only making two move actions that turn Which is a lot better than doing nothing Okay and that and that works the same way for for everything. You know, if you're in combat and you roll nothing but moves, you can trade two of those in for one combat, or you can trade two of those in for one special ability, which might be more effective than whatever you were beginning on the uh, on the combat result. Uh, and some of the dice you can use, uh, so especially like move, for example, a lot of units actually have a uh, a little header on there, to where you can spend the die as a move action, or you can spend it. To gain a dodge token, which means you can ignore the next, the one next attack that comes at you. So that way, even if you're in combat and you roll just one move and you're like, well, I'm not going to do anything with it because, you know, like, oh, I'm going to move half an inch to the left or to the right. It, it doesn't matter in a lot of combats. But if you're like, all right, my unit is, you know, it's prepared to move. So you're just a little bit more able to dodge. And so you can actually use it for that. Because I really wanted to get rid of the idea of a dead turn where you roll the dice and you're like, great, I can't do anything next turn. Because I, I I truly despise it as a player, and I never want to have anyone playing my game say, oh yeah yeah yeah, this game was going great, and then I then I just rolled absolute crap for two turns and lost the game. Great,
0: because
1: hmm. that's okay. that that's not what I like, and so you know I don't want to I don't want to give that to anybody else. All right, uh, so
0: it does do I go you go right in the sense of like if you have initiative or or whatever you move your guy and then you move one guy and then I move one guy, right? Yes. Yes. It, It
1: does alternating in, in that fashion. Um, so whoever the first player is, I move one unit, then you move one unit and then back and forth and back and forth. Um, the way that models are removed from combat is a little bit different. Um, and so if somebody gets outnumbered, then they will always be the first player as an amusing little side note. It's just a little, little quirk of the way that the initiative sequence works. Um, again, and, and that was to, uh, you know, to avoid negative play experiences of which I'm very, very against negative play experiences.
0: Nobody, nobody loves
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. But every now and then I see some, uh, you know, game mechanics, which I mean, you know, like, all right, there are a lot of game mechanics I see pop up over and over and over. And, you know, I'm like, you know, there's probably a way around that, but a lot of people are like, well, this is just how it's done. Sure, it's not great, but you know it's how it's done. And in, in this game, I've pretty much tried to remove every single preconceived notion that I have as to how it could be done, and, and starting over from there.
0: Okay. Now, I kind of wanted to uh, address some of the uh, the comments on, on the Kickstarter and just kind of sure. mention mention some things because I, I kind of just scrolled through and took a look. I will say, like some people are like, well, you know, you're you guys are asking for uh, 68 grand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people. Some people are like, "Wow, that that sure is ambitious." You you want a lot of money there. And I will say, from if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, we've interviewed a ton of people that have done Kickstarters, and every one of them say is like, "What you don't understand is like John Q Public is how expensive it really is to make a game from the ground up to yep. just strictly, to just strictly get the molds made." and you know everything it is incredibly expensive And they're like you know we're not putting this money in our pocket you know we are every bit of this goes into the game you know and yeah so it's i would i would say that it's really really expensive especially because these appear to be pretty large models and so i imagine they're multi-part molds you know and and all that good Mm -hmm. stuff and and yeah so
1: yeah yeah i was it's a thing yeah, yeah. I, I was a little concerned and caught off guard whenever um, Cody and I were originally talking about the prices for it. Um, it's actually lower. Luckily, we were able to get a uh, negotiate a better price. Um, the original uh, company that we started to look at, um, it was, I want to say, four to $5,000 to make one mold. And each faction, and, and this is actually one of the challenges the fact that we're doing four factions, um, each faction... Um, would take three or more. And so some of them would take four molds. And so using that company, we're talking, all right, so four molds at you know, if we get a good price of 4000 each, that's $16,000 to make the mold. That's not for the casting. That's not for the box. That's not for the tokens, not for printing the rule book, not for shrink wrap, not for shipping, not for anything. It's just 16000 for the mold. Yeah. So originally when we looked at that company, we we're like, all right, if we actually want to do that just for the molds alone, that's 16,000 times four. That's $64,000. And that's not producing anything. That's just, here, we now have this, you know, the chunk of metal that we can shoot plastic into. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dear God, that's not going to work. And, and, and luckily, we, uh, uh, one of Cody's uh, connections actually works with people who have done manufacturing. So I got a better quote so we can do it. But but yeah, at first I looked at that and I was just like $64,000 just for the molds. I was like, "Oh, dear god, that's not going to work."
0: Now, uh speaking of these uh are, are they will be multi they're not single piece miniatures. Correct. These correct. these are multi-part. Okay. Yeah. There ha- has been some request for kind of like detailed shots of just the miniature itself like put mm-hmm. together, no paint. Or just you know it's in and itself disassembled you know as to to what it would look like that
1: way. Yes. Yeah, that actually is um, is one of the challenging parts, and that that is more Cody and uh, the 3D artist and the 3D modeler. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So so from from my knowledge of that, how it works is you know you know Cody comes with the concept, the 2D artist makes it you know the front, the left, the back, the top, et cetera, it gives to the 3D artist, they create it. And the files then get broken down into the component pieces. Um, and what happens is that actually gets shipped to the, uh, the company in China that is doing the molds. And because of the expense, we haven't made any of those yet. So we don't have the here is the absolute guarantee, you know, printed or not printed, but, you know, uh, manufactured by the company model. And that's the, and, and that's what I that's what I personally really want to be like. Okay, this is the exact thing you can now see exactly what you are getting. So what we're doing, you know, you know, the best case scenario from that is, you know, showing the 3D renders um, with with scale whenever possible, um, and then basically 3D printing the components and putting that together. And those are the models that you're that you're actually seeing is the exact same thing, but done via 3d printing instead which is as close as we can get without spending you know five thousand dollars
0: so sure sure that you haven't raised yet
1: yes exactly um so yeah so so it definitely is challenging um um uh, the guy who's doing the 3d printing or the 3d modeling um his his 3d printer actually broke um and so we haven't actually gotten any lately but uh, he's actually putting together um a couple of more right now and he'll be taking um, pictures of them as soon as they're out of the molds and sending them to us so we can put them up. So that way people can see, here are some of the other ones. Like literally, this is what it looks like in hand. There you go. Awesome. So, so Do you yeah. have
0: like a, a timeline on when that might be? They, like, Not I'm
1: yet. Um, we're hoping in the next day or two. But, you know, 3D printing out a model that's, you know, three and a half, four inches tall, four inches wide, three, you know, five inches long, you know, definitely an extensive process. Um, So I actually don't have a solid number yet. Um, I I asked Cody about that yesterday and he has not gotten a firm number back yet from uh, Daniel, the, uh, the modeler. Okay. So
0: hopefully hopefully
1: by the time the show goes live, it'll already be up, but no guarantee.
0: Now uh, they ask you guys to put up more lore, and you Mm -hmm. you did that today, right? Yep. yep. So we're 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 good with that. There, it is up there. I read it. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. I want to enough
1: basic enough basic of the overview. And There's actually a lot more. uh, There are a number of stories which are written, which are on our uh, website. Um, And actually, I should I I should need to go back and put a link to it, so that way people can be like, oh, here's the overview of the world. For more stories, click on this link and go to the website. You can actually like read, you know, like oh, here's a little bit more about this faction. I need to do that. So that that's
0: nerdpalacegames.com,
1: mm-hmm. nerd right? Nerdpalacegames.com. Okay. Yep, there's a tab up there for fiction, and that's that's where it
0: is. Okay, and I'll, I'll link that in the share notes. Uh, another request on there is like, you guys should make a Board Game Geek page, you know, for yes, the, uh, yes, the actual game.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cody started working on that a couple of days ago, and I, I forget what happened on that, but yeah, that's, that's in the works. I don't know. I mean, what essentially, I actual...
0: it just it gives like people that backed it or, or mm-hmm. interested a, a kind of a forum, yeah. you know, as of right now is you have to, in order, like for me to ask a question about this Kickstarter, I would mm-hmm. have to donate. Yeah. You know, donate to, $1. To at least to, yeah. 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 Man, so this, this way it gives you more of a forum for people that mm-hmm. are just kind of on the fence,
1: I guess. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And definitely. And I mean, you know, there's you know, there are a lot of times that you might want to ask a question that you might not want to be like all over the Kickstarter. You might be like, you know, like I, I kind of have a question here or a concert. You know, concert concept um or a thought and and so yeah i'm definitely a huge fan of getting that page out um uh cody actually works um as a vet tech and uh, the place that he works um, so actually like last night he worked 7 p.m until 7 a.m um i think he's awake now um and where he works doesn't have you know he's it's a uh, emergency animal hospital um okay. and so he apparently was overly swamped last night didn't get a chance to get on the internet to do anything um but he's awake now so hopefully That'll get done today, being Sunday.
0: Okay. So, um, another question on the uh, the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. People were curious about worldwide shipping. Do you know anything about that?
1: <laughs> a little bit. Um, uh, the shipping is not my forte, but somehow I ended up kind of the one in charge of running the Kickstarter as far as a lot of the numbers and everything else goes. Um, so we're we'll, we'll ship to pretty much any single place that we can. Um, Whenever we first started it, um, due to a minor technical glitch, um, it launched a little bit earlier than expected. And none of the shipping information was in there. Um, not, not, not like the little chart at the bottom. That, that's there, which will give you a basic ballpark of what it should cost. Um, again, until we actually get every single one of the files to the manufacturers down in China, we're not going to have a set number where they can say, okay, here's exactly what the weight will be done. Um, until that point, uh, we're, we're going off of our best estimate considering the weight and the size of the box. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll ship anywhere. Um, it's just a matter of, I have to manually go into each and a, each, each of the four pledges for every single country. And so right now, if there's someone who wants to, who is in a country that isn't currently opened, I will happily open it up. But the idea of going through that list, which we're talking literally hundreds of them in researching the approximate before we have a set number is really daunting and overwhelming. Um, I, I started a couple and I was just like, I'm not even out of the letter a yet. And yeah, my sanity was gone. And also because there are, you know, like literally my uh, to do list of things to do is currently 14 items long. And I'm like, as much as I like the idea of adding, literally, you know, 400 countries, times four, you know, 1,600 countries into this database, that's probably not the best thing I can do, you know, as far as getting everything else up and ready. So, so again, if anybody has, if anyone is from a country that's not on that list, let me know. I will add it in as soon as possible. But as far as going through the list for every single one, I don't know if I'm going to do that just quite yet.
0: Maybe. Yeah, so- I, I think I think mainly the concern was like what will shipping be to like Europe and mm-hmm. uh Britain and technically Britain is Europe right now for but now, that yes. can change. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first thing I did was was open up um, the US, uh Europe, Canada um and I am actually waiting to hear back uh from uh, the uh, the people we work with for shipping if they're going to be able to ship from China directly to Australia and and you know Hong Kong for the rest of mainland China uh, before I actually give a good price on that because if not all the boxes come up here and then they ship them right back which is a huge expense uh, but but if uh, if we'll be able to use that fulfillment center in China then that'll that'll lower the price of shipping to there just you know immensely so yeah some, yeah, yeah so some of that's just me waiting for the information to come from the other people which is waiting for. You know, yeah, it's like it's like three steps back and I can't do anything on that until after that question is answered. So, oh, the joy yeah, of I, business.
0: I uh, I've I've heard many, many people complain about uh, shipping to Australia. People in Australia are like, oh, it's just so expensive <laughs> to to get stuff here,
1: you know. And yeah. Yeah, I was, talking to, I was talking to one of the um, other miniature manufacturers who had done Kickstarter recently. And it was talking to me and he was like, oh, be careful about New Zealand. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, we basically, uh, we didn't make any money on anything we shipped to New Zealand. Because any amount of profit was completely destroyed by the shipping. Because it was a lot more than what it was supposed to be. And I was like, oh, good to know. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Um, are you guys going to do like any conventions or anything while this Kickstarter is running where people could actually see a demo of this or, or anything like that?
1: Um, I don't I'm, I'm not actually aware of any conventions that we'll be able to get to while the Kickstarter is running. Um, wow. I've actually been completely off the uh, off the books for that. Uh, there's a local one coming up uh, in this region. Um, I there's two in this region, but none of them are actually going on during the Kickstarter um not that I'm aware of. No. No, that's yeah, that's
0: hmm. I'm just curious. Should, just curious or is there a, like a local shop that you've got where you could possibly, you know, be doing demos of this once, you know, once a week or something like that?
1: Yes, yeah. Um here in Asheville at the Wyvern's Tale. Uh we're gonna be running demos of that. I believe I'm doing some on Tuesday afternoons. Uh I might be doing some on Saturdays as well. Um one of the challenges with that is the fact we don't have all three units from more than one faction right now. We, we have all three of the Norse printed out, and uh, that's uh, almost done painted right now. Um, but as far as the other faction, and the next one up is uh, is the Aztecs, we only have two of the three models done. The machine broke before we got the third one out. So that's, that's the next thing is like, all right, we need to get, you know, a third unit of that so we can at least have two units painted on the board here's what it looks like here's how it plays there's the game and right now right now we can't quite make that happen and it's it's driving me insane well
0: you could always go down to like your uh, dollar tree and get like a rubber dinosaur <laughs> and, just, and just, just glue it oh, to a base I've,
1: I've thought of that yes
0: and just say okay we're going to proxy this for now I'm just yep. going to do this and there you go <laughs>
1: Mental note. Harry, right, what is the base size of a Steampunk? That's what we're going to use. Here we go. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. Uh, well, that is a good question. Are you going to kind of um, have a uh, standard standard base size in which, like, okay, all dinosaurs that are large will fit on this base, and you know, mediums fit on this base, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Um, some of them are going to have to be on. Okay, so I used to play guild ball a decent bit and there it was you know basically like a small medium and large you know 20 25 and or no 20 50 and three 20 30 40 I think it's 20 30 and 40 where the millimeter size of the bases right um, and and we will be using a number of things that have that um, the sickle claws which are uh, you know velociraptor um, they're on like 20 millimeters and then you know as it gets bigger and bigger uh, definitely bigger bases Um Whenever you'd like the brachiosar, I, I can't even imagine how many millimeters that thing is going to be. You know, because when, when you are talking about a miniature that's like a foot tall, I mean, that thing is going to be huge. You know, 150 millimeter base size probably, maybe 200. Um, so, I mean, uh, they're actually going to be printed on the uh, on the unit sheets what the what the size is for that figure. You know, as far as the base goes, because um, yeah, we're going to have to use a whole bunch of different sizes just because. You know, some are going to work for this size. Some are going to work for different sizes. So, yeah, it's going to have to be touch and go on some of it. I don't think we're going to be able to standardize it too much. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, we're still going to try to keep it on, like, you know, multiples of 10. You know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. But, you know, some are going to be 70s. Some are going to be 90s. Some are going to be 80s. Just, Just, yeah, probably so.
0: Well, as of this recording, you're just over ten thousand dollars, so you know you're about a, a sixth of the way there. You've got eighteen days left to go. Mm-hmm. I know personally, I only uh, unless there's an early bird option that's really, really good, I always wait until the very the last forty eight hours. Yep, yep. <laughs> to to back. Plus, I'm trying to get a, a local to buy into this too, so cool. I won't have to buy two factions. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> like, I definitely understand
0: you, that. You buy one, and then I'll buy mm-hmm. one. Yeah, because yeah. if you don't, otherwise I'm gonna
1: to have to buy two. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, we, uh, we definitely cut a discount for buying two. You know, to make it easier because a lot of people want to do that, and so I'm mean, you know trying to make it as easy as possible, and then you don't have to pay shipping twice. It's combined shipping, which is nowhere near as bad as two separate people buying it. So, so yeah, right. yeah, that's definitely definitely a good way to make it happen. Oh, also one of the things I just did, uh, we posted last night, I think, uh, was retailer deals. Um, so yeah, we're actually opening that up because. I used to be a retailer, and one of the things which really annoyed me is if there was, you know, like, oh, here's a thing which people want, that I can't get, like that. That's not good. Um, so I actually came up with a phenomenal deal for the retailers. Um, but, you know, that, that's one of the things. There's a link on the uh, on a thing, or just send me an email at alex at and we can negotiate stuff to make it to make it work for for each each individual store.
0: So. Okay well that's really cool uh i i absolutely love to see this kind of thing in uh stores i you know i hate like well it's just a kickstarter exclusive that's the only way you can get this it's like well how can you grow it you know it, yeah. it has to be in the freaking uh you know be able to people to buy it you know mm-hmm. so they'll see it you know you'll get a lot more foot traffic in and whatnot that way so yep. you know that exactly. that would be really good I would also you know recommend have a presence at gen con that seems to be the place
1: where you know that's something which uh, yeah yeah well, we, uh, we had mentioned that and I, I think Cody's going whether we'll actually have the stuff ready at that point uh, because I'm I'm probably not gonna get a chance to go I just due to a couple of the different uh, things going on in my life um, but yeah he's planning on going whether there's gonna be enough stuff for him to go and take and do demos etc that I'm not aware of yet well, uh, just tell them to wear a
0: t shirt that says, Ask me about my dinosaurs. <laughs> you know?
1: You know, your or, chances ask, are, ask
0: me what my favorite dinosaur is. <laughs> and then there you go. You just start the conversation from there. Well, you know, it's the, it's this Brachiosaurus. However, <laughs> I have this game. Let me tell you about it. Yep. So, okay. Uh, is there anything else that uh, we need to know? That the person uh-huh. that listening to this that is interested in playing with dinosaurs and magical breath? Not
1: eyes, you know, you <laughs> anything, they need, anything they need to know? Um, I'm sure I will think of about 20 different things as soon as this call is over. Uh, <laughs> or
0: when you go to sleep tonight,
1: oh, you oh, shoot oh, yeah. up in bed. <gasps> I should have said this. Yep, 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 three in the morning is whenever all the good ideas happen. Um, so probably the, uh, the things which I would um, say um, are a little bit more on the system side, uh, just because I really did a lot of work to make the system very different uh, from what a lot of other things have worked on. Um, so your army points, what you build your army with is also the remainder points are what your army break is. So you can actually have a army that's much smaller than your opponents, but the individual figures will stay around a lot longer. And that's an unusual concept, which a lot of people have not, not approached, which came up from me being a fan of historicals where a lot of times if the attacker you know, or an invader was going in, they needed to have two three or five times as many troops as the defenders and that's never been replicated in most miniature games um so that's one of the things i was really really excited about um even the terrain placement has some unusual uh unusual concepts and actually uh, the rule book is free online um if you go to nerdpalacegames.com uh one of the tabs is games and underneath that is uh, is the rule book. you can download it for free um yep take a look well, let me know what you think um, and there are a couple other different concepts in there, which are pretty unusual. Um, but so far everyone, uh, everyone I know who has looked at it has been really happy and excited about it and, uh, and happy with, uh, you know, the ideas we've come up with. So,
0: yeah. You now you mentioned, uh, playing historical games. What do you currently play on uh, a regular basis?
1: Nothing as much as I would like on a regular basis. Um. Recently, as far as historicals, the ones I've probably played the most are Liar which is a French rule set of Ancients and Medievals, um, Field of Glory, and I guess the third one after that is probably DBA. Uh, well, DBA, DBM, any of the De Antiquitatis games. Um, in the, it's strictly in the historical sense. I, I do a lot of different board gaming and card gaming as well. So, so I get mechanic ideas from all across the spectrum um, you know like the fate system from the Legend of Five Rings card game is something which I was like hmm this kind of makes sense to use in other different games um, you know the activation concept from Saga uh, um, which is another skirmish game I uh, had some really interesting ideas um, so you know I was showing one of the one of the guys I know and he was like oh I see some saga influences and I'm like yes and this and this happens and he's like all right so not quite like Saga.
0: <laughs>
1: yes, some of the concepts, not some of the same delivery. It's a little different.
0: Yeah, I play, um, well, I own stuff for the Art de Guerre. I only get to play it about once every two years. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I play Saga probably six or eight times a year. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a friend that's really interested in the new magic supplement that's coming out.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I actually talked to one of the guys at the shop the other day about that, and he's he's really excited about it. I'm I'm interested. Um, yeah, yeah. For me, every now and then, experience will happen in the game, and I'm just kind of like, mm, not a fan. So uh, it's one of the guys I play saga against has knights. Uh, he plays the Normans, and so he was running across the field. Excellent. Um, so he's running across the field, and you know, in the open. You know, he's got his lances down, not in combat, just, you know, like, all right. But, you know, his activation ended. And he was just barely within range of my unit of levies, which I ended up, you know, just having to roll, um, you like like two or three activations with them. And I was like, "Oh, oh, that's cool if I do this and this. And so my levies ran up and attacked him twice and destroyed his units of knights. And we just kind of looked at each other and were like, should this ever actually happen where a unit of knights running in the middle of the open field runs into a unit of peasants, and the knights die horribly. I think that was actually the last time we've actually played Saga. Um, Like I say, the activation I absolutely love, but whenever it comes to, you know, rolling large piles of dice, which is what it does for, you know, combat successes, I roll absolutely, ridiculously bad the entire time, unless it's a situation like this, where it's like, you know, feasibly, this should never work. And then it works, and then the other person is like, all right, that's that's just ridiculous. (laughs) So... (laughs) So yeah, um, but, but but yeah, I actually am excited about this saga supplement just for you know a lot of the ideas. I actually still need to pick up Aedius and Arthur because uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that era as well, the you know the late Roman Empire. I um, also it's got what picks and Caldonians, which are a couple of factions I like. Out of that. Oh, and uh, the Parthians as well. I'm a huge fan of mounted cavalry.
0: Nice, yeah. I have uh, yeah. I picked up the. Um... Yeah, I want to do the Last Romans from Aegeus and Arthur, but I picked up the um, the Age of Crusades mm-hmm. to do the uh, militarism, Christum <laughs> yep. ones because I, I got some uh, some figures pretty cheap. So mm-hmm.
1: nice. So yeah, you know. yeah. I think I was doing um, I think I was alternating back and forth between the Moors and the Saracens and in uh, the Crusades. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, again, huge fan of uh of mounted cavalry archers and. Uh, as opposed to unmounted cavalry archers, that doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, huge fan of cavalry archers, and so basically in any game where that's an option, I will have one army of that. And so yeah, Yep. good stuff. All right,
0: good stuff. I guess uh, my last question before I let you go would be, what's your favorite dinosaur? <sighs>
1: huh. You know, that's... Oh, jeez. You know, like, you know, before I started working on this project, you'd probably be like, ah, eh, this one's kind of cool, this one's kind of cool. Um, hmm. Because now in my brain, they're all wrapped up with the stats as well and the effectiveness and the lore. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm probably going to have to say the Dimetrodons because it shoots lasers out of its freaking mouth. Um, there you go. Not eyes. Not its Piece eyes. Of not out of its mouth. Yep. Um... Yeah, I might actually need to go back into the, might um, actually need to go back into the uh, lore, uh, you know, like the stories, and actually clarify that so that way there's no confusion comes out of its mouth. Um, but yeah, yeah. Actually, after that, probably going to be the raptors, uh, and, um, which are much smaller than what most people think. Um,
0: and they're cl- they're clever girls. Oh, very clever, very clever.
1: Yeah, it, it's amusing. <laughs> In this particular system, uh, they're actually not individually. Very strong or very damaging, but whenever they outnumber people, they basically lower the uh, the target's defense a lot. So what happens is if you get like two or three groups around anything, they just shred through it. So it really is this phenomenal pack of hunters. And so yeah, yeah, I was really happy the way that they worked out as far as the system making sense with how I feel like they should be played. So so anyway, yes raptors are the second dimetrodons with freaking lasers is my my first
0: (laughs) well alex thank you so much for uh joining us and i really want this thing to happen so i'm i'm pushing i know i'm pushing it i'm I'm tweeting about it and 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 stuff like that you know and i'm i'm banging the drum (laughs) like one of you guys do this so
1: i can you know i don't want to buy two Mm
0: -hmm. that's expensive I don't want to buy one because I'm cheap. Um, so, <laughs> I yeah. totally
1: agree, man. I'm, yeah, I'm right there
0: with you. So, this is super cool. Like I said, I, I have been completely burned out on small-scale skirmish, and this has my, my heart has grown three sizes. I love this. I awesome, love man. everything about it. We,
1: and, uh, we appreciate it a tremendous amount, man. This is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you.
0: This is super cool. I also like that you're in the U.S. because 99% of the time when some cool Kickstarter pops up like this, cool original Kickstarter it's in spain or the uk or whatever
1: you know it's, it's
0: it's so it's expensive for me to buy in and expensive for it to ship and hard to get locals interested in it because it's way over there so this mm-hmm. this is perfect Love. fantastic it. yep plus you know you're up there in uh north carolina you're in rick flair country so <laughs> there you go yep
1: we are famous <laughs>
0: uh-huh Uh All right, so uh, we wish you the best of luck, and uh, hopefully this will work out, and we will continue to follow it. Definitely,
1: man. Thank you, Adam, so much. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. Thanks. Thanks, man. See you.